our brains create those stories so quickly that we don't even realize it. But in our minds, oh, that's what happened. And the more we replay it, the more it becomes concrete and real to us, even if it's not. That's the mask. Yeah. And the mask is like, I, I need to make meaning of this because whatever that person is doing must be real. It must be, it must have the po mm -hmm. worst possible meaning behind it. So therefore, let me make up a story to tell myself, right? Which is, right. Like, and that's why, that's why we're talking about this work. Like, there's so much more going on than you can ever tell. My name is Ashanti Branch, and welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast, where men get real. Men of all ages, all backgrounds, come to this space to own and discuss how they present themselves to the world. In this work, the Million Mask Movement, we describe the front of the mask as things that we gladly let the world see. And we describe the back of the mask as things that we don't usually talk much about. I mean, maybe you can try it right now before we jump into this episode. Like, what is on your mask? What are the things that you're gladly talking about? What are the things that you're not really talking about? Maybe you can invite somebody in your life to think about that with you. Maybe you share one thing on the back of your mask with that person. They may be shocked. They may be like, why is he asking me these questions? And maybe you can just tell them, hey, I heard about it. I'm taking off the mask podcast about this idea. And maybe you and I could try it together. Maybe it'll be an opportunity for you to invite them to a deeper conversation today. You don't have to wait for a special moment just today. Try it out. Let us know how it goes. You know, today, taking off his mask is Christopher Veal. Christopher is a former Marine officer, combat veteran, and a black man. He leverages this in 25 years of experience in executive development, as a global influencer, speaker, talking about masculinity, and in his book, The Whole Man. If you haven't yet read The Whole Man, I'm going to tell you about chapter two, which affectionately is titled Hiding Behind the Mask. In these conversations, we get to learn so much about people and other men around the world that whatever's happening and whatever you think you're seeing on the outside is only such a small part. There's so much more to each of us. There's more to you. There's more to me than anybody can see by looking at us. And that's what the Million Mask Movement is all about. Thank you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mask podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Christopher Veal, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, Shanti, so glad to be here. I know we talked last week for mine, and now I'm glad I get to be in the other seat and be in the dialogue with you as well. Man, well, you know, you had some beautiful questions. I think one of them hit me in the emotional solar plexus. Uh, so <laughs> the, the, the beauty of this is whatever comes is going to come. So if something, um, if you got a question, I, there's, there, it's a conversation, right? It's like, how do we, you know, if we didn't know each other, we hadn't met each other a couple of days ago, like, what could we talk about? Well, imagine what we try and do with the mask is what, what three, one picture, six words, mm -hmm. just to say, let's that, start the conversation there. And then Absolutely. wherever it wants to go, if, if it wants to go, you know? Sure. So how about you introduce yourself, tell folks what you want them to know about you. What feels good to, for people to know as we get ready to share our masks publicly? Sure. How do you, how do you summarize all this, right? Here's where I'll start. <laughs> I call myself a vulnerability vanguard. Mm. And, and I lead with that a lot because I want to help model for men that we can own that word and that it's not a four-letter word that shouldn't be spoken in mixed company. That's a key part of who I am. I'm a father. I have a 13-year-old daughter. She is my world, and she is a big reason that I've been on this journey 
to reinvent how I hold masculinity and really what ha healthy masculinity means to me. And, you know, in my day job, so to speak, I, I do executive coaching. I do a lot of leadership consulting and I'm doing a lot more speaking in organizations to talk around the subject of vulnerability and masculinity and how can we help men show up differently so that we can be better allies for everyone else, right? And maybe solve some of the problems or, or roll back some of the problems that have been created. And how do we move forward and evolve? So that's a short version. I'm a dog. I'm a dog dad too. He's around here somewhere, but I think I locked him out so he shouldn't interrupt. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll welcome if he shows up in the space. You know, I just realized, so, you know, the magic of this, of this work we get to do, like for those who are listening and for those who are going to be watching, like I did all this prep to get us ready for this conversation. And then I'm, I'm talking to you and I'm like, you know what? I probably should move the mic. And then I realized this mic is not even plugged in. Like I'm sitting here with a mic. <laughs> it looks good though, right? Like it looks good. You look professional. So you oh, have it, it, it's a mic. It's a mic. It's a mic. <laughs> I mean, and then I realized, oh wait, I'm not even, I'm not even on this mic. So should I leave it here? I'm probably my behind the mask was like, I should just leave the mic here. Like it's you being used, but it's not being used. This is not the. See, that's interesting because I hear you really clearly. So whatever good. the mic it's picking up is a really good mic as well. <laughs> It's the magic. It's the magic. <laughs> so listen, I'm going um, <laughs> to, for those who are not watching, you're like, what's going on? Well, I have a mic in front of my face, but it's not plugged in. I'm looking down at my computer. I'm like, shouldn't it be something plugged in there? But um, this is part of the show, you know, so we're going to just move it out the way. There we go. And we just going to have this conversation, you know, and uh, there's nothing blocking this space right now, right? There I have you nothing, go. Nothing to hide behind. So, man, I'm, I'm glad to be with you, man. I'm thank you for that. And, and I appreciate this conversation that's about to happen. So have you already made your mask? I did. Yes. Okay. So what I was telling you is that, you know, we had this training this weekend and I didn't get to make one. So I'm going to make it right now. Okay. And um, you still get to decide who goes first. So I'll go pretty quick. Ooh, okay. So I'll, I'll give um, you a moment to finish yours. Yeah. Let's see. And then you get to decide. And so for those who have not made a mask, you know, the mask is a picture on the left. Uh, that's the front of the mask side. And then three words that represent qualities you gladly let the world see. That's the front. And then the back are just three words that things you don't normally let people see. You don't normally talk about it. And it's not necessarily things you hide, but whatever. When you make your mask digitally, you can put whatever you there, want there. But, you know, we're going to share these publicly. So normally when you're making your mask, they're anonymous. So uh, we hope you will go and make a mask at millionmask.org. And I'm going to let me see. Um, I've been working on this creative ideas recently. I've been just trying to be more creative, you know, and. Um, uh, let me see what's calling me right now. We're trying to do it yeah. quickly. Well, and as you're doing that too, I think I'm going to go first because I'm really curious to see what comes out of this and okay. what gets unpacked from our conversation around. Do you want to um, do front first and then I do front and then you do back? Sure. Or you wanna, okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm also not going to judge my art skills on my mask. I'm just I'm glad. The first thing I'm going to name right now. <laughs> I'm glad you don't do I'm glad you won't judge it. You know, when we do workshops, sometimes it's definitely the younger the students are for some of them who really care, they're always like, is this good? Is this good? And you're like, whatever you draw is perfect. And they, and they can't even accept. They can't. They're like, that's not that's impossible. Right. I'm at school. Yeah. Nothing I ever do. Right? And I'm like, no, whatever right. you draw, there's no grade. I don't even know yeah. whose it is. It's anonymous. And exactly. I think that because they're in that school mode, they don't they don't think it's possible that they could whatever they put on the paper is going to work out just fine, you know? Right. So <laughs> like, man, that, it's fine. Per whatever you got, I'm not going to look at it. It's perfect. Do whatever you got. Exactly. All right. All right. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Now I'm wildly 
curious about what's on yours. <laughs> mm, man, um, I, I think normally I, you know, I have them ready or the person will make them together, but I'm like, okay, now I feel that pressure that people feel when I'm, when they're in the audience. Right. And I'm telling them. Actually, what I'm excited about is like what comes up for you in the moment as you're doing it. Cause you've yeah. done this so many times, right? Yeah. So I'm sure there's something new that gets unpacked every time you do it. Yeah. At episode 50, uh, the, our engineer was the, was the, was a guest. And so he said, you know, he's seen all the episodes. And so he was like, I want to, can you try something different? And I'm like, okay, yeah, um, sure. And then he's like, how about you, you try and use words you've never used before? Uh, and I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. and it was, a, it was like a moment where I was like, oh, and so I've been trying to be more like in the present moment, making them mm -hmm. because there are the go-to words. And then, oh, what are the new ones? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm making masks all the time, but I am also trying to be more pre every present right there. Right. Okay. I got it. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you you said you're going to go first. I'll, I'll go first. All right. Okay. So, so the words on the front of mine are humor. Oh, you show it to us? Will you show it to us? Oh yeah, sure. Oh, if you can fold it. Back, may, yeah. You may or may not be able to see it that well, but let's oh, see. Right. There you go. Okay. And, and I realized the mask, he looks really angry, but actually what I'm going to say is that's really intense. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah. So the three words that I chose were humor, mm. confidence, and curiosity. Okay. Okay. Anything, anything you want to say about any of those before we jump? Yeah, I think it just, the, the first two came to me without really any thought. And the last one I, I had to sit with for a little while. And then I realized, oh, that is probably why it was curiosity. So that's something that, like those things I constantly have on display. And I don't even know, I, I don't know if I can turn them off, but it just, like, it just happened. So those just, those just fell out of me. Something really I resonate with about curiosity is, you know, we did this training this weekend with, um, educators who are going to go and use this movement with their students. And I, and I said to them, the first day was a training. The second day we brought in youth and they were going to present to youth. Okay. And I said, listen, you all are smart and talented. You have skills, but today would be a good day to be more curious than wise. Right. Right. It's almost like that, that curse of knowledge. Sometimes you forget what it's like to not know it. And so putting yourself back in the beginner's mind can be so powerful. Oh man. And, and for teachers who have a lot of knowledge and are used to being on stage and are used to delivering info and content and material, right? And as opposed to like, what if I could be the learner today? What if I get to be the learner and maybe I don't have any answers to anything and I just listen, right? As you say that too, what it makes me think of is when I step into curiosity, I will sometimes ask questions that the me that's the professional might not ask because I should know it. And when I ask those questions, I get so much richer knowledge back in return. And so that, thank you for that. Cause that's a good reminder for me of stepping back sometimes really helps me learn in ways I didn't know I could. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, here How we go. How about you? What this you got on it. the front? Here's the front. So this is the the mask okay. I drew with some radio. And I, you're right. The eyes are doing something interesting today. <laughs> I think it's more intensity than. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's intensity too. Yeah. And so yeah. I, was, I was thinking about these radio waves, these waves of like mm -hmm. energy, like rippling out. Right. That's what I was thinking about. And the words I wrote were serious, passionate. I wrote storyteller, which is the first time I've written that word on the front. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote 
caring. Um, I think I was, I was, I was an interesting face that the face looks kind of serious too. Normally I would write funny, right? Right. Cause I, I, you wrote humor. I was thinking, oh yeah, I, I, use, I try to be funny. And I think that this season of my life, I'm really learning how to take the funny and channel it. Normally funny was my way of fawning drama or keeping the drama at bay around me, right? If I can't laugh it away, then I'm going to fight it away, right? But let's just laugh it away and ignore that it's really happening. And I think yeah. as a leader, I've been, you know, a leader of people as an organization. It's like I try and keep things light. And I think even when I'm trying to be in corrective of, of certain things, I would have to, I would just keep things light as opposed to like, even though I want to keep it light, it needs to be, the seriousness of it needs to be really clear for the team so that mm -hmm. I'm not making it so light that they don't get that uh, that was a corrective right. instruction, right? That, And then they're confused three weeks later when I'm bringing it up again. Now I'm upset, a little bit more upset. I'm like, we, we talked about this three weeks ago, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to always keep the smile on because if I don't put that on, then I'm, I look, you know, I, I earned my father's lips. I, I look like I'm frowning all the time just mm -hmm. to look normal. Like just to be in regular thought, I look like I'm frowning, you know, like right. I'm not. But so in order to disarm that from people, I'm always trying to put on this smile, right? I'm always making myself seem joyful, happy, in a good mood. And it's sometimes exhausting, you know? I was just going to say, what's that like having to, like, I almost hear you say, like, put that on all the time. It's exhausting. Yeah. I, I go to some, like, you know, social events and I like people, mm -hmm. I think, but I have, there's a lot of introverts. I'm, I'm okay being by myself sometimes, right? Too. It's something I need to be. When, I, when I'm finishing with a big event, I sometimes just need to decompress, you know, but I sometimes myself smiling so much that my cheeks are hurting, my jaws are hurting. And that, I'm like, just trying to like disarm, 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 disarm. You know, I have a presence. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm 6'1", I'm 300 pounds, right? I'm a big person, right? And the effect to try and always disarm people around, then I'm I leave the party. I'm exhausted because mm -hmm. I've been I've been on I've been putting on I've been on this mask the whole time. And sometimes when if I forget, I'm just like somebody somebody will be like, "Hey, what's wrong? What's going on?" I'm like, "Huh?" And I'm not even I'm thinking about anything. And so I yeah. think I because I've gotten so good at practicing it, you know, it's like if I just look normal, I'm just thinking about nothing, right? Yeah. Well, what's funny to me is that even. When somebody sees you not smiling, they think something's wrong, right? Like, we don't have to be smiling 100% of the time, but it's like, you get to have range too. Or maybe the demeanor of how you look when you are just at rest is mm -hmm. not as, doesn't look as off, right? I mean, I, right. I have, I've curved, my lips are curved down, so it looks like you're either frowning or mad. And I'm not even thinking about anything, but in that, an idea of like, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Or, or are you, everything okay? I'm like my, like, my students would do it a lot, right? They're coming home and I'm before school. I'm just in my own world, listening to music or doing whatever. I'm not walking around like this. Right. Like, you know, I'm in my classroom. I'm just, I'm making them clean up, getting ready. And then some kid will walk in. You mad today? I'm like, huh? But what am I mad about? What's happening? But it's because that, I mean, every, people pick up your, your, your outside appearance. Yes. And if your appearance makes a statement, then they are going to read that statement to mean what they think it should mean right and so yeah it's interesting you say that because i'm in the process of putting the finishing touches on a talk i'm doing on wednesday and i'm talking about intention and impact right and sometimes we have an intention people might not always see it and they interpret something differently and it has a different impact and if they don't check in if they don't check in like how much that can create problems too so that just made me think of that like 
you may not have had an intention of being upset, but they may have interpreted it that way, right? That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. And we live in yeah. a world that your the interpretation of of your presence is can be the difference between life and death, right? And literally, right? As you were talking about yours too, I realized the the start of the inspiration of mine was supposed to be like the theater mask, like comedy and tragedy. And it just didn't quite get there, but it's still there. I know it. It's in its heart. So that's okay. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Round two. Round two. (laughs) All right. All right. So now we're going to the back now. And then normally you would go first, but you know, you're the the guest. So you can decide you want to go first. Okay. I'm going to flip the script on you then. Let's hear your words on the back. Okay. All right. So (sighs) here we go. Okay. So the back, it says fear of failure Mm -hmm. and sometimes success. Okay. I think mm-hmm. it's a fear that brother and nephew, mm-hmm. and then doubt. I think mm-hmm. I was uh, normally like I think about like self doubt. So when I think about the fear of failure and sometimes success, I think before the show we were talking about this idea. Like I was writing to a group and I was like about my weekend and I was like, you know, the difference between writing this message like I did an amazing job this weekend changed to like oh, I gave my best. Right. Yeah. And I think that fear of like, what does it mean to say that I did an amazing job? To, like out loud. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I can yeah. give myself permission to feel it a little bit, but what does that mean to people around you? And I think it all depends on who you have around you. And I think, you know, I have a lot of old recordings of having a lot of people around where when you say something good about yourself, it means that somebody else can't also be good. So therefore, people would try and tear it down. So I, I just, don't do it, right? I think, hey, yeah, I'm an adult. I'm not a, I'm not on the playground no more, so I don't have to worry about it. But those recordings are powerful, right? Like to say, oh, I, I did amazing, <laughs> right? I, I let myself say that a few times, but not to too many audiences. Not to mm-hmm. that feels like you shouldn't say that, right? Yeah, I think I'm sometimes envious of people who say it even when they're not. I mean, like, <laughs> there's one thing to be like, somebody did an amazing job and they're like, I'm amazing. But I mean, now we have this and everybody's talking about how amazing they are. And you're like, right. Okay. All right. Let me, let's not, let me not, let me not, <laughs> let me not, let yeah, me there, not be negative. balance in there somewhere. <laughs> let me not be negative about this. Right. But, but the idea is like, okay, what is that? And so still working on that. And I think when I think about my brother and my nephew, you know, um, sadly, they're both incarcerated right now Mm. my brother which is the father of my nephew it's and so i I have this like deep kind of sadness and part of it like sometime in this work that i do with mentoring young men and boys and and people who've listened to the show before know that you know my relationship with my brother my brother has schizophrenia you know he's um he loves party favors (laughs) and he's not even at a party you know he Mm -hmm. just and he's now found himself, you know, behind bars again. And his son is now behind bars. And I don't know, you know, what the status of his, but he'll probably be there a while. And my nephew has a son, right? Who's now being raised by his mother yeah. without a father. And and my brother was raised in a home where I was the man of the house at seven years old when he was a baby, right? So, like, I, I don't know nothing about being a father except I'm just yeah. doing my best to keep everything together. So. Those are like sometimes difficult to talk about because I want to help all the young people who need support and community and and love and a brotherhood that's holding them accountable and lifting them up, you know. So, but to have them both, it, it's it's sometimes like 
is it working? You know, is it working? Right. It's, it's, it's the two conversations that I keep having with myself. Oh, yes. It's not, you're not going to be able to save everybody Ashanti. Okay. That's the intellectual part of me. But my heart is like, yeah. but I should be able to save my nephew and my brother. I yeah. should be able to, right. Even though logically I know that that's not fair judgment, you know, there's almost like two different things happening here. Like at the beginning, there was this piece about claiming your magnificence. Like, as you said, you heard those, those programming. Like, I remember I hear my grandfather's voice. Don't be too full. Don't get too big for your britches. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was this idea of, you know, be confident, but not too confident. You know, there's that line and how much we get pushed down. If we do, you know, express to the world, like I believe in myself, I, I can do this. And people will be quick to say, yeah, yeah, don't, don't get too full of yourself. So I guess I'm saying that because yes, like own your magnificence. And it doesn't mean, like you said, that that means other people aren't. So I'm going to keep reminding you of that. And then the other side of it was like, as you're talking about your, your brother and your nephew, now your nephew's son, it's almost like the cycle's repeating. Like he's now trying to grow up. Yeah. And understand what it means to be a man, whatever that is. Yeah. And that primary role model of his isn't there in the way that he might want, right? So how does the community come together to support him so that he can find his way in yeah. a healthy way? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes. How do we? How and how do we I don't know, you know, I don't know the mom of the of the baby, right? So it's like, how do I just offer support to like I try to offer, you know, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a it's a wild ride, right? It's like I try to be as much supportive for my nephew as possible, and there were barriers there that weren't making it possible to mm-hmm. hang out with him. And I think that, you know, in in the journey of of this, of this, you're just continuing. Every young person I get to connect, I'm like, well, this is for the one that I couldn't, right? This is for the one I would never meet. This is for the one that I couldn't reach. This is for the one that didn't accept the support. This is. I'll just keep going, right? I think it's like the parable of the sower, right? It's like don't mm-hmm. go chasing the birds because the bird, right? Like, like, like you're gonna some seeds are gonna work. I mean, if you got if you got seeds that work, then it some is gonna land in the right soil and it's gonna do its thing, and some is gonna land in a place where it's gonna get plucked out, right? And I think, and some just not gonna take root at all, right? Yeah. Well, and even if you're constantly thinking about the one you didn't get to help. How does that take away from the one you're in that conversation with right now, right? Like, actually, what I also want to say is, and the one that you're having the conversation with, you're changing their life. You're impacting their life. Yeah. Right? That's right. But a lot of our society tells us, like, but what's next? What's more? And I will actually celebrate, but what's here right now? Because that's all you can control. That's right. That's right. Right here. Yeah. And being being okay with that. I think there's one thing about being okay with that, being like... Okay. Okay. I mean, it's the intellectual side of yourself and it's the heart part of yourself. If I was just going to, if I was operating for most of my life from the intellectual place, mm-hmm. I'd just be like, oh yeah, there's no big deal. I don't need to worry about that because I couldn't handle that anyway. Yes. Great. That's a, I mean, I've been in my life a person who was all into the head, right? The mm-hmm. intellectual. <laughs> when you yeah. let the heart come in, then the head is trying to have a negotiation like, you should have done this better. And you're like, well, I did right. my best. And then you're like trying to, you know, it's like conversation and how do you, be able to lead more being heart centered, right? Yeah. Think- like it it can be I did my best and I did amazing. <laughs> like that can be, you know, I was watching some schoolhouse rock with my daughter that day and it's like the conjunction mm. junction, right? So let's put that mm. and in between. It's not either or. Mm. Yeah, 
Uh, make some room yeah. for both to be in the same space. There it is. That is. Well, I think we all need. I think, and that's, and I'm good at telling young people that. See the, right? the, the, the That's why I'm telling you because I'm good at the same thing, right? So I'll tell you, and that'll be a reminder for me to do it as well. All right, all right. Win, win, win. That's a win-win <laughs> right there. Okay, all right. Well, that was the back. That was the back. Okay. Uh, you ready? All right. So mine. Great. I'll hold this up. Hopefully, you can see it. Maybe, maybe not. There we yeah. go. Fear, disappointment, and hurt. Mm. Fear. That one was easy to jump out and say, there isn't a lot of fear, but when it happens, I usually will, I won't show it. And I could probably sit on a therapist's couch for months and, and unpack that. Probably part of it's because of my time in the Marine Corps as well. But um, I, that's not one that I, I don't usually let people see or people that aren't in my close circle. The disappointment and hurt are, are actually both pretty closely linked. And it's usually if I'm disappointed in others. I don't often show that. And, um, you know, I think that's some of those old stories as well. Like, you know, growing up, like, you know, don't tell people that they didn't do good enough or something like that. So they're, you know, and, and when I'm hurt, like when somebody's hurt me, um, I'm better now than I was years ago. I still sometimes will hold back and not let them see how they've hurt me or how deeply they've hurt me. And so even as I look at that, like, I realize that's also being a little insincere in some of those relationships. And so that's why I continue to work on it. But those ones, uh, this actually doing that, like the back of the math, the front was pretty easy. The back, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know what I like this one so much. And I love that you, you created this because it had me look at what are some of those elements that maybe are there. And like, I can maybe let some more of my world see. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I appreciate you talking about the disappointment part. Like I don't, show people when I'm disappointed in them, mm -hmm. I resonate with in a big way, which is what I talk about, like mm -hmm. this idea of like smiling and laughing and making corrective comments. But I'm like really deep down, like wanting to like, don't do this anymore. <laughs> right. But I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, that thing, you know, we should talk about that thing, you know, and I'm like, how do you navigate it so that it's the, the intent of it is like, I don't have to be devastated, but I can really be clear that th there's a correction needed as opposed to, so if I don't do it, who does it end up hurting long in the long term? It doesn't hurt me long term because I didn't, didn't get what I needed out of it to be improve. I was hearing someone recently talk about this idea of being like a, a people pleaser, like, mm -hmm. and growing up, that's what I got good at. I was air traffic control, right? When my mom got out of the car, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, she grabbed that bag pretty rough. She slammed yep. that door pretty loud. All right, everybody. Everybody, yep. get into position. Like, we're just like, I'm air traffic control, right? I got to make sure because if, if once, it's, once the door opens, the first words out are usually how it's going to. Right. That's setting the tone. Setting the tone for the rest of the, the afternoon, evening, right? And it was like that moment of like, how do I protect everybody here and my own self in the midst of, because I'm in charge. So ultimately, it all lands on me, even though somebody else gets a few words. It's like, well, why didn't they do their chores? Why didn't they? And so all these things, they kind of come into flow. And so trying to like not, not let people know I'm disappointed in them, not let people ever be disappointed in me. Like, and it's like a constant move, you know? And even as you say that too, one of the things that, that I'm starting to learn is when I share with people that disappointment, it doesn't destroy them. In my mind, I'm like, I can't tell them because that's just going to crush them. 
But I think back, there's times where people have told me that. And while it can be hard to hear, that also makes me realize how important it was to them. And so I don't always get it right, but that helps me step a little more into, okay, I, I want to share the impact. And, and I think what's really helped me with it is I take ownership for the language of it. So instead of saying, you disappointed me, I say, I'm disappointed or I feel disappointed. And so I can claim what it means to me, but not make them wrong in the process. And then we get to be in dialogue around that, right? And they can choose to talk about it or not, but it isn't me being accusing, saying you disappointed me. And I think that to me, it feels like it's more of an invitation for them to be open to the conversation yeah. as opposed to if I just come in, you know, beating them down with a hammer because that's not going to solve anything. Ooh, we. I'm going to come back to the hammer part because I definitely know that one. Do you have a story that of like the last I, I, the last time that happened where you either caught yourself saying it one way and you like, let me switch that? Or that maybe you have it so you, you practice enough that you know how to say, I felt disappointed when this happened. There's probably a, a time recent with my daughter where something's happened, but it's one of the things I'm really conscious of is I sometimes will take a moment, right? Instead of just launching straight into it, because I want to, I want to take a moment to get clear on what's important to me and what I want to say. And I know sometimes if I don't, and I just speak from that emotion that's like really triggered in the moment, I likely won't say what's really important to me, or I'll say it in a way that it's hard for someone to hear because it's in that type of language that, you know, may feel more attacking. Like I've said to people sometimes, I need to take a moment and step out of this conversation. Um, or I've said, I remember once saying like, I'm going to, we started into a conversation. It got heated really quick. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to step out of this conversation because I'm not being my best self right now. And they didn't want to hear that. They still want to continue the argument. And I resisted the urge to continue on. And I just said, I'm sorry, I need to talk about this later. And it allowed me to be able to step back and really, you know, get clear on what's the message I want to share. And it also gave them a little bit of space to cool down too. And then we were able to come back and talk about what the issue was instead of it feeling like it was personal because it really wasn't about that person and I, it was something separate. But in the moment we got heated and it became personal. I mean, as a teacher, I was, you know, as a teacher for a lot of years. I think that's when I first started learning about this language between, you know, you made me upset. Like your behavior is making me upset as mm -hmm. opposed to like I'm being coming upset by your behavior. And like, I'm like, that's the same thing. And as I began to get more wise and intelligent, I'm like, oh, okay. And I remember like sometimes when that idea is like, when it, when it happens, right? When it's like, I'm in the moment, I'm like, oh, I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to let the, let loose on this kid. I'm about to let loose. Right? And, and yesterday <laughs> it happened. Um, so a young man who was supposed to be at the event yesterday, one of his buddies was there and he was asking me, where is he? I'm like, I've been looking for him for almost a month. He's not returning my text messages. And so he's like, oh, he replied to me. I'm like, well, then you should ask him why he's not here. Right. And so then he was trying, he was chatting with him. They doing their thing. And he came back to me. He's like, well, he said, you know, he said, he showed me the text. He's like, he said, why is, why is Branch mad? He said, I have things to do. Mm -hmm. Why is, <laughs> why is he? And I'm like, tell him that I said, yep. <laughs> right. And I was like. Oh, don't pass a message to another teenager. You don't right. pass a message to another, right? And in my right. mind, I'm like, look, if he gets on the phone, you call him and you let me talk to him. But you let him know that I've been waiting for his call. I've been texting him over and over again, mm -hmm. right? And his idea, like the other student 
So the other student was translating my words right. and he said, like, why is he mad? I don't know. How did he know I was mad? I, I have not talked to him. I, I didn't text him that day. Yep. But it was that moment of like, when he did get him on the phone, he said, he's on the phone. And I'm like, but I was like, actually about to start this session. So I was like, oh, I got I to gotta do this well. I got to do this well because I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to burn the door down. I'm trying to help the door that it continues to revolve both ways, right? Right. Sometimes I'm going to make you mad. You're going to make me upset. But I need to be clear that it's about like our expectations of each other. Like right. it has to go both ways. I can't just keep knocking on the door and then you don't answer. And then you pop in the door and be like, hey, where you been? That that seems yeah. odd to be like, I, I'm, did you hear me knocking for the last one month? Right. 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 Like, like there's got to be some two way here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just show up like, why are you upset? And I'm like, well, the fact that you think I'm upset means that maybe you know that there's something happening yeah. in, in the one month of knocking, you know? Right. I also hold a hold of space for young men that, you know, not happy about whatever they're going through. It's easier for them to hide away mm-hmm. and come back when they have figured the problem out or the problem is, or they've messed it up so bad that now they can't do anything more, but they but come to right. come to check in or whatever. Because 13, 15, 17-year-old Christopher, there's no way I could have, I don't think I would have had the emotional maturity to say, oh, I'm upset right now. Let me take a moment and walk away. There's no way, right? I mean, even as an adult, I'm, I'm going to be 52 this year and I still trip up sometimes, right? I teach people how to do this stuff and sometimes I still fail. And so it's a good reminder for me, I have to continually practice, right? And when that happens that I, I stumble and I don't get it right, I also make sure I apologize for it and I own it. And I think that's a big piece that's important because, you know, a lot of a lot of kids see a lot of blame going back and forth, but nobody willing to take ownership. And I think we get to model that and and be that, you know, example of here's how you can when you've maybe made a mistake or you've made a mess in a relationship, how do you own it so that you can move forward? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And it man, is how fresh and how how fresh it happens and how quickly mm-hmm. it- not careful. And I think I was in a moment of like, deep down, I, oh, here it comes. Deep down, what I was feeling was probably some sadness in there. Mm -hmm. But how dare I become sad because he's not returning my call, right? Like that's, that's the old messaging. Like you sad. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Like, why are you being sad? Like, and maybe it's not sad. Maybe it's other word. Maybe it's just, is it disappointment? Is it? But if, if I go underneath the disappointment, what am I disappointed about? Like I'm reaching out. I'm trying to connect. You're 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 resisting, or you're you're deflecting, or you whatever that may be. And I think that's the part sometimes that feels like like if you're not careful, like I can respond out of a a cover up feeling. I'm mm-hmm. disappointed, so therefore it's easier to respond to a disappointment. Like it's kind of like I'll show up with some disappointment back, right? But if it's sadness, then I'm like, how am I responding? I'm I'm gonna respond with being a little bit more, probably more vulnerable and be like, you know, it hurts like when I reach out to you over and over and over again. You're texting David right here, right now, which means you have access to your phone. I've been texting you for a month. You haven't replied once. And so my brain wants to go into like that kind of thing, right? And it, it fills and it's in not, the blanks, yeah. right? When you um, don't have that information, it fills in. There's some reason there. Yeah, like there could be a million reasons, but like he's disrespecting me or he's not being like whatever it is. And then our our brains think that's a fact. We don't realize it's a story that we've created. Oh, man, it's a story. Yeah. And that story triggers emotions for us. But we don't always see that. I'm a storyteller. I got lots of stories. Right? I could make something mean something. I know. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the, the thing that's tricky and, and a little bit like sinister about it is our brains create those stories so quickly that we don't even realize it. But in our minds, oh, that's what happened. And the more we replay it, the more it becomes concrete and real to us, even if it's not. That's the mask. Yeah. And the mask is like, I, I need to make meaning of this because whatever that person is doing must be real. It must be, it must have the po mm -hmm. worst possible meaning behind it. So therefore, let me make up a story to tell myself, right? Which is, right. Like, and that's why, that's why we're talking about this work. Like, there's so much more going on than you can ever tell, right? And my, my understanding, knowing that that's the, the case, right? Imagine, especially for young people who may have rough home situations, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm not hearing back from you, I began to worry sometimes too, right? What's going on? What happened? What's, what's, do I need to go do a, a walk by, a knock by? Do I like, and to not like get over, overwhelmed, right? I've, I mean, I've, I've been doing this work for 19 years and I'm still, you know, there's still things I'm still learning. Okay. Take, take, don't make up a story. Ask more questions. Okay. They're not responding. And when, and like in the old days, there was not these. I couldn't right. text you. I show no. up at your house. You know what I do? I should exactly. go knock on the door, be like, hey, where you been? Yeah. Where you been to a meeting? Now, because of the short, the short, the sh uh, oh, interesting. Because of trying to collapse time frames, I'm like, well, I've been texting you. But normally, that's not how we would, that's how we did the work in this program. There was not, you didn't have one of those, right? So I would come to the house and I would ask the question, where you been? Mm -hmm. As opposed to now that you've got the power in your hands, I see it was delivered. There's a star on it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I can even tell I know you, you read it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Technology tells me you read it. Like, why? What? What? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. And sometimes I just got to go back to old school. Got to go back. I'm going to show up at the house. Like, where you at? Where you been? The face-to-face, -face, right? And as you said, and you still don't even know what's going on. Like, there may be a whole lot going on in his world that he isn't comfortable talking about. So, again... It's sometimes us being able to pause and go, wait a minute, let me just check what assumptions have I got right now? And then like, what might be true? And like life happens sometimes too. That's the other thing. But we are so like, you talk about these devices and I honestly, I believe it's destroying our ability to communicate because people will send a message and they will expect that if they don't get an instantaneous response, something is wrong. <laughs> and I tell people, I have a life. Like I don't walk around with this in my pocket in my hand every minute of the day. So if you don't hear from me within an hour, it doesn't mean I'm dead or lying under a rock or that I'm ignoring you, but, you know, have a little bit of grace. And some people, like some people are close to me, they know that. Other people, they have to learn that. But it's like our, these devices expect us to respond immediately uh, or we are, we are not good friends or colleagues. And I think that's a collapsing the time frame of connection, right? Mm -hmm. Like we need the immediate. And because we live in a world right now where this device, which I love my phone. I'm not, I'm not here to bash on them, but you know, there's some challenges, right? Like if every place I go in there are curated to the things that I want to have around me, the things I like, the things I laugh at, the things I am entertained by, then when I meet someone in real life, that is not what I like, what I laugh at, what I really want to be entertained by, I'm trying to do a swipe by. <laughs> and what we realize is that doesn't work. Yeah. With a human in front of you, which is why we see all the times we have seen so much violence happening. And I think in our world, because people have gotten weak at being able to hear an opinion that's not theirs right. and that they don't agree with. OK, yeah. you don't agree. Yeah. So you don't have to agree. Yeah. How can you be curious and interested when that person on the other side doesn't represent all the things you normally will click like on? Right. Like, 
how can you so that in return they might be a little bit curious and as well and learn a little bit outside of what they might normally look at i mean we almost have to tell people you can't expect what's happening in this flesh like world to happen in this digital world in the same way it's going to happen some ways but some things are not going to translate right yeah. right there yeah. is no swipe left when a person is saying <laughs> something to you that you don't like you can't be like Whoop, whoop, out of the way, right? <laughs> you just kind of do this and step to the sidewalk around them. Yeah, you could do that, but that would be a little weird. Yeah. It's less impactful to be like, get that out of here. <laughs> I ain't watching this nonsense, right? When you were like, I mean, I maybe I don't know if you wrote it in order or if you wrote it out of, you know, from the back to the front, you know, you when you put it together as you, because you have a book, a, a chapter about masks. Mm-hmm. How did that hit to you? How did that hit you when you were creating that? You know, I think part of it, and I think I reference in the book, the the documentary, The Mask You Live In, because that was what helped me put that language to it. But what I knew is, you know, I say it, it took me six months and 50 years to write the book. But I realized that in some parts of my life, I was showing one mask and other parts of my life, I'd show different ones, right? And depending on who I was interacting with, might be a different mask that I put on. And as I started to unpack that, I realized, okay, wait a minute, but who's the person behind it? And how is all that actually keeping me from more connection, which is ultimately what I think we all want, what we are hardwired for as humans. But because we feel conditioned by our upbringing, by society, by so many factors, we don't feel like we can truly show up as ourselves. And so we have to think about how safe do I feel being myself in this setting, like at work? Okay, I can only bring this much of myself because it's professional. Oh, but in my personal life, I can do this. And how do we create spaces for more of it? So for me, it was looking at where was I putting on different masks and how was that getting in the way of real deep connection? And like intimacy is the word I would use and not in the way we normally talk about romantic intimacy, but just intimacy and greater connection. I mean, you have a a daughter, you said, right? So Mm -hmm. I think statistically that, and I mean, statistically, but also what we see in the society is that they have more permission to show feelings. Like it's, we see it, we can see it in the grocery store. We can see it on the playground. We can see it in lots of places and people who have never seen it, maybe just need to pay a little more attention, right? Like we, society allows more room for girls and and women to, to show feelings. And it's almost like, oh, it's sort of any other words I can find right now. It's kind of like, oh, it's, 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 it's it's accepted. It is accepted. accepted. And it's, and it's actually also expected. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, again, around uh, up until about age three or four, boys and girls usually get similar messaging when they have emotions like, okay, that's okay. And they're encouraged to have them. And then about four or five years old, boys start getting very different messages. There's only certain ones they can show. It's okay if they're angry Mm. in a certain way, but sadness or hurt or anything like that, we tell them quickly, you know what they, hey, rub some dirt on it, suck it up, be a man, all that stuff, that, that languaging and that messaging that we get right? Be a man. You know, one of the worst insults a little boy can get, or at least when I was growing up is don't be a girl, Mm. right? That was like, Ooh, and everyone would be like, he didn't do that. Mm. But what does that, what does that say? So, Oh, being a girl means having emotions, showing emotions. And actually, no, we're human. We have emotions, but we don't normalize that it's okay for boys to do it. And we don't teach them how to have those emotions in a healthy way, which is why I, I, I love to use the analogy of like a pressure cooker. And they constantly have to put the lid down and tighten the screws on it. And the pressure keeps building and then they just explode. And we wonder why we're having the problems that we are with toxic masculinity and other things going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love the pressure cooker analogy. And I and I told a lot of our young men in our work, when you talked about the hammer earlier, I said sometimes the situation needs a sandpaper and you walk in there with a hammer, you've now made the situation unfixable and you all you needed to do was just sand, smooth it over a little bit. Yeah. Right. You needed a little bit of a little screwdriver to tighten up that little situation. Yep. You went in there with swinging with a twenty pound sledge. Bam! Yeah. <laughs> what did you just do? Like, and now how do we help you out of it, right? And I think that's part of our work with these masks, right? What we're hoping to do with people all over the world, and definitely in this community, is how do we give people more permission to be more their whole self? Mm-hmm. And so, thank you for the work you're doing. Um, thank you for the podcast and for the book I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to finishing it i when i flipped in i got to that chapter i was like oh come on now come <laughs> on now I, what i would like you to do you know i want people to, i want you to be able to tell people how they can find you and how they can you know learn about what work you're working on but is there anything as you close out here you know um as a dad raising a girl right like you you've had to learn i'm sure she taught you some stuff that you may still be learning or that you're like what the heck was she teaching me i'm the adult here right how do you help other parents out there, maybe even just fathers who are raising daughters? It could be that specific, but however general you want to be to see this work. Yeah, you know, I think, I think what I would say is to anybody, whether you're a parent, whether you're a brother or sister or a child, like think about what are the, what are the ways that you are reinforcing outdated models of masculinity and what it means to be a man. And are you supporting some of those unhealthy ways that men are expected to show up? Or are you holding men accountable to be a healthier version of masculinity, which is more inclusive and more expansive? And just be aware of what messages are you sending to others? And if you're reinforcing the change that we want to see, great. If you're not, think about the words you're using, the actions you're taking, and look at where you can shift those. I think that's where I'd really start and where it all begins. And help us figure out how do we evolve the way we hold masculinity. That's what I'd point people to. Regardless of what you do in your world, you've got a man in your life somewhere, whether it's a father, a brother, a son, a coworker. So think about that. How are you holding them in masculinity? And that's, I think, where we'll start moving the needle. As far as where people can find me, the website for the book is wholemanjourney.com. As you mentioned, the podcast, The Vulnerable Man. So you can look that one up on all places you can find it. And if you find me on LinkedIn, you'll see that I've got the tag Vulnerability Vanguard on there. So you'll know you found the right Christopher Veal there as well. Man, thank you, Christopher. Thank you for making time for this conversation. I didn't want to rush it, but I know we had a confidence of our time. Right, here. Right. We got life, yeah. We, we get in, we get in, and we're like, oh my goodness, I have to. But I, but I appreciate it. Because I think every time we have another conversation with you and me, with other men who we can say, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you and I'm, and there's more to you than I can even see. And there's more to me than I, more to you than you may be willing to tell me right now. And so how can we just continue learning more about each other as we begin to feel more comfortable and more, more seen. And then we could be more whole as men, as opposed to half of ourselves or three quarters of ourselves or whatever percentage of ourselves we're only willing to let ourselves be seen. So yes. Thank well, you thank you for having me here and also say thank you for all the work you've done to create the million mask movement. Like, yeah, I, I know we talked last week and I'm going to say it again. I love that you are helping changing the way that boys see themselves and how they're seeing each other, because I think that's that's the best place to catch them before they've got all these learned behaviors that they've got to unlearn. 
So thank yeah. you for that. And I'm a big champion of the work you're doing. Thank you, brother. Well, we're in this together. So we got work, we got work to do. We got work to do. Hey, folks, listen, Christopher and I made our mask and shared them publicly, but we're not asking you to do that right now. We're asking you, if you're willing, do it anonymously. You can go to millionmask.org. And if you found something valuable in this conversation, share it with somebody. We're going to put all the notes and how you can find Christopher in the show notes so you can find those below. But thank you for being a part of what we're trying to do here and make sure you don't keep it to yourself, folks. Take care. See you soon. Bye now. The Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Graphics are by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Choque Allen Alvarez. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we cross the 100th episode and begin the next 100. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, write us a five-star review, and share as we look forward to continuing to have conversations that matter. Stay tuned for the relaunch of the Million Mask Movement on 11-11-22. You can find out more by visiting everforwardclub.org and following us on social media. Take care. We'll see you soon. And we look forward to you being a part of the Million Mask Movement.